The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, on today's episode, we're continuing the conversation we had with Joe Dancy yesterday, but we're going to talk about natural gas today. The world of natural gas, of course, is very cheap. It's like three bucks or two bucks or four bucks for whatever the unit is they sell these days. And for many people, they don't realize natural gas is something that could be very more beneficial right now. There's an abundance of it in the Permian Basin and the Bakken. They're doing what's called flaring. And that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily like to talk about. We've got some restrictions on it. And they're doing a good job of capturing that natural gas. However, there's a lot of it that's being flared. And with the advancements that have been made in wind and solar, they have not quite hit the mark. They've gone a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot under the mark, actually. So the conversation is being had right now. Should we divert those wind and solar subsidies to the natural gas world? Meaning, there's a problem that can be solved. The natural gas problem can be solved. It might need a little help, though. The solar and wind, they're trying to figure out something. Natural gas, they've, they've got a lot of it already figured out. It's just they don't have the resources for it. Uh, there's a lot of little science projects going on in the natural gas world where they're, they're honestly, you've got people camping out at well sites, checking monitors and checking a number of different things. There's a crazy guy up in Canada using natural gas in order to generate power to do mining of Bitcoin. Boy, there's all kinds of different things, you know. I mean, liquid natural gas, a lot of, uh, you know, forklifts and a lot of uh, buses and municipalities, that type of thing, are going to what's known as a liquid natural gas. So there's a lot of uses that can be done. And Joe Dancy, who's an energy expert and educator, and I have that conversation. We just ask, should we be subsidizing this? Because wind and solar, has they, they haven't gotten to the terawatt of storage like they said they would. So it's a, it's a conversation that we're going to have. And I hope you enjoyed it today here on the Multimedia Cafe this is Joe Dancy. He's an en energy educator and professor and expert. Currently, he's with Southern Methodist University. He's transferring from University of Oklahoma College of Law down to the Southern Methodist University, but he's also keeping his toe in a few other places like his o University of Oklahoma, other places. So we just call him an energy educator and expert because he is that. This is Joe Dancy. I just started thinking about, you know, the natural gas that's going on here. And I, I can remember Lee Tillman from Marathon Oil telling me it's really difficult economically to ship a molecule all the way to South America, you know. And, and I understood what he was saying there, that price of natural gas is not warrant the marketplace to invest in it yet. And I get that, okay, but at the same time, Man, there's such an abundance of it. And you've seen the flaring. 
and nobody wants to talk about the flaring. And to me, this is an issue that needs to be addressed immediately because we can do something about it. That's that's the reason. It's not because it's 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 a blight and it's an eyesore and it's not because of this and that. Because listen, if we're gonna start picking and choosing, then I've got a laundry list much much higher in priority than this stuff. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because we do put a lot of money towards wind energy, and we have. We've put a lot of money towards solar energy, and we have for the last 10 years at least. And over the course of 10 years, their, their results have not been impressive. And I don't think that is a political statement. I think that, that they would tell you that as an industry, that they failed. They, they were going to have a terawatt of, of uh, storage capacity for the solar industry by now, and they don't have that available to the marketplace. Wind energy has gone so far backwards they don't even have a reclamation program in place yet for these giant wind turbines that are going to end up just being an eyesore that don't that do not work on some farmer's land in 20 years. So right. to suggest whether we should take a look at diverting some of those subsidies to the natural gas world is not out of line in my mind. That is not a political thing. That that is a worthy question to be pontificated by leaders and i'm not hearing that conversation is i don't know if it's because of the anti-drilling movement that's going on the fact that bernie sanders and elizabeth warren are talking about banning oil and gas drilling in their actual platform so that the narrative has gotten that extreme but i want to know i'd like to know your opinion on what i'm talking about here to where should we at least be having a conversation about maybe subsidizing the natural gas industry because the science projects are there and the oil and gas companies they've got they, they you know they, they've got accountants and shareholders that are going to dictate that they're that they can only invest in certain ways so instead of taking more money from them in fees and taxes and regulations what about if they got some natural gas money to spend then all of a sudden these small companies that have these science projects they get a nice little influx of money and then Boom, you've got a whole new economy working like never before. Talk to me a little bit about the natural gas futures and what I just basically, um, I don't know. I, I, that was a little bit of a war and peace question there. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the theory. It's uh, What is interesting, I was going to bring up that, yeah, the natural gas flaring has, the regulators have done a pretty good job, especially in North Dakota, to build them. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to build that stuff out. You just can't go slap pipeline in the ground but it the the flaring has decreased substantially from what i understand and it really didn't come up at the conference at all although i know it's still an issue uh, in the permian basin and i know they're building out the pipelines and actually the capacity has really taken a big jump upward uh, for natural gas as well as crude oil or will in the next uh, two or three months so um i will tell you i've talked to some natural gas liquids experts and they were Actually, one of them came and talked to my class at OU, and he essentially said, you know, the natural gas liquids are something that most people consider a nuisance. So most people don't really look for it. But if you, if you, if you actually go and you put these projects together, they can be very, very profitable because, you know, nobody appreciates the value. And there's four or five companies that are active and for natural gas liquids. Of course, that's not natural gas, but it's a uh, 
the heavy stuff that comes out, the relatively heavy stuff that comes out of natural gas. They said, you know, you can make a lot of money and then, you know, you clean up the gas and can, you know, send it down, send it down the road. But from an economic standpoint, and actually just from a, you know, long-term standpoint, we have so much natural gas in the United States. It, it'll, you know, it'll be 50 to 100 years before we have any issues, if then, um, with regard to, and so between now and then, what, you know, what, what is happening, well, you'll love this, Jason, um, what is happening, you know, not only in the United States, but in Canada, the week before we had this regular, regulators meeting, and there were a number of regulators there from, uh, from Canada, apparently some company up in uh, Alberta, essentially, they just shut the doors. They said, you know, Alberta, you guys have screwed up. The politicians and regulators had screwed up the market so bad. You know, the price of natural gas was zero. Um, they they essentially took 4,700 wells, gave the pipeline, the keys, laid off all their employees, and said, you know, Alberta, now you're in charge of this. And you know, it's there's actually 320 million dollars worth of plugging liability. You know, if you can't if you can't figure out, <laughs> well, if you can't regulate reasonably, and of course. You know, the regulators take on this, well, it's a function of the natural gas market. You know, gas is so cheap, they should have been drilling for oil. Mr. Joe Dancy, I ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, energy expert and educator. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. First full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Stood in front of me, always keeping me behind the scenes, and there's nothing that you don't know. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, energy educator and energy expert. Well, if you can't regulate reasonably, and of course. You know, the regulators take on this, well, it's a function of the natural gas market. You know, gas is so cheap, they should have been drilling for oil. On the other hand, as you and I know, you know, the, some of the pipeline issues up there, the reason the prices for Canadian oil and Canadian 
natural gas are so much cheaper is they, you know, they're landlocked and part, part of it's, you know, their, their political system isn't allowing the pipelines to be built to, you know, access their natural resources, which is an incredibly, um, well, it's, it's very damaging. Obviously this company was essentially bankrupt and they just said, Hey, you know, here's the keys. Apparently all the executives resigned, the board resigned, you know, the shareholders realized that it, they took a total hit. Companies were zero. Actually, that company has a negative net worth. And uh, and apparently this happened in Pennsylvania also within the last six months where some company apparently handed over a, about a thousand wells apparently to the to the state and said, hey, we don't have the money to plug these. You know, they're not economic. And, uh, and that's that is a problem that some of the regulators are bringing up that, you know, the the some of these marginal wells as they get depleted you know the unconventional as well as conventional are being are not being plugged correctly they're not being remediated or they're being sold to you know joe's oil company and i run it out of my garage and i have no assets so i really can't you know i really can't plug the wells when they need to be plugged and um now where all this goes you know lord knows it's part of its economics part of its regulations and it it gets to the point and again this is there is a balance if you start regulating and regulate too aggressively and you make everybody, if you make the project, the property worth zero, you know, they'll, you know, you'll file bankruptcy or you'll walk away and, and the state, the state or the province will be end, end up, you know, remediating properties that, um, that, uh, you know, might've been viable, uh, with, with prices a little more robust, especially natural gas prices. But, but I like your theory about natural gas um, being at least maybe not subsidized, but at least being encouraged uh, versus versus wind and versus solar. And no, I'm gonna... I'm actually thinking about a subsidy now. That the, the more I was just listening to you, oh. I, I'm not a fan of subsidies. You know, I mean, you know, I don't get into my politicalness too much, but I'm not a big fan of subsidies because I I believe in the essence of capitalism. But when you hold an industry so far accountable and then on top of that tax them and then on top of that give them more fees, I mean, it's, you know, they've, they've, they've paid their fair share. They've given more than their pound of flesh. I, I mean, the oil and gas industry doesn't need you and me sticking up for them. They don't. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah. At, but at the same time, we're both fair people. And we look at life and say, you know, this is a little bit out of balance here. And when I take a look at the natural gas industry, this is a solvable problem. This is a solvable problem that could create some brand new, just state-of-the-art ideas and innovation. Like the last time I think you and I spoke, we talked about some crazy nut up in Canada um, you, uh, using natural gas to, to, to mine bitcoins. And, oh, that's right. And yep. that, that is one of the craziest, most insane ideas i've ever heard in my life but you know what at least he did it and, and it was productive and i don't understand how that all works but apparently there's a bunch of people that are willing to pay money to understand it so good for them and you know just hope that the bitcoin world doesn't crash and all that stuff because <laughs> one of my favorite memes i ever saw was uh when facebook and instagram went down for a day and there was like i don't know some some little newspaper carrier or something like that, you know, and it said uh, Kim Kardashian's uh, distribution during the Facebook whatever 
zero or Instagram zero. And then the newspaper, at least he still had 200 clients or something like that. It was just, it was just (laughs) absolutely hilarious. That shows you that, you know, if, if one of those companies like Facebook or Instagram or whatever the heck, the government can come and destroy them. They can go belly up by shareholders. There's a number of ways that they can go away. And then all of a sudden those people, their distributions just gone completely, you know, overnight. So, um, Anyway, I don't know how we got off on that little little sidebar there, but the whole idea behind the natural gas, um, and I, I again, I hate to use the word subsidy, but at the same time, if if we're going to kick some money towards, you know, you you know this, Joe Dancy, as well as I do, a lot of these guys that are working on these science projects, um, they're you know five man operations. A lot of them are just two men operations that are living on the well site. Um, right. and, and these oil companies, they're running out of research and development money. They are because they're trying to invest in solar. They're trying to invest in wind. They're trying to invest in geothermal. They're trying to invest in natural gas. I mean, they, they have to invest in all these other ways so that they don't get taxed to the high noon, you know? And so I think it is actually irresponsible god listen to me spinning these words here i i think it's irresponsible for our leaders right now not to have a conversation about should we for the next three years invest in natural gas and get that flaring down to 50 percent imagine that going from 90 down to 50 in three years the just the absolute spurn in the economy just just the jump start that would happen from that alone would be absolutely incredible and it would come in new ways that would be non-traditional. It would be non-traditional. It would totally open up new sectors of the marketplace. Okay, now I got to take a step back because I'm, I'm I, I just get really passionate about this. <laughs> well, actually, the uh, the good news is, I mean, I don't, you know, I think a lot of the flaring issues have been addressed or are being addressed by the regulators. Other than I've read about the Permian Basin still has issues. And part of the reason, Jason, the Permian Basin has issues is because it's a, you know, it's the Wild West out there. Everybody's drilling as fast as they can, and you um, you don't have the take takeaway capacity. At least you didn't. And now it's yeah. It's but keep in up. mind, those are pretty inflated too. Like in North Dakota, I think it's like eighty percent, eighty five percent, ninety percent. I mean, it's it's that's what I, it's it's fine within what the parameters are. But when you've got the you know, when, when basically you've got the Republican Party who's in pretty good with business and very open with the with the regulators, you know, it's it's a three man crew that sets this together. The governor, the ag commissioner and the attorney general. OK, right. They set they set the numbers. And if you go ahead and take a look at, you know, who's on their industry panels, it's all people that work within the industry. There's no farmers on there. There's no cafe owners. You know, I mean, so. It's that, that's why North Dakota is very good at regulation is because most of these task force and, and these committees are made up of people within industry. So it, right. they're very much. But keep in mind, though, they, they have that old school capitalistic mindset that the businesses are going to take care of their communities. And for the most part, they do, especially out in the oil and gas communities. In fact, the oil companies take much better care of the communities than the government does. Holy smokes, is that apparent? I mean, you got oil companies building roads out there. I'm serious. Right. Oh, no, I'm serious. The oil companies have literally built half of Western North Dakota through their investments. 
And I, I don't feel bad saying that at all. And I might get some regulators mad at me and some politicians mad at me for saying that. But when you take a look at not even five years ago, a lot of those roads in western North Dakota would fly off of their, their um, footing because of a rainstorm. I mean, they, they were built to only have a combine go on it five times a year, not, huh. not 50 trucks in a day. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's, it's not all their fault. But what I'm saying is that we need to get to the present. And the present says is that down in the Permian and in the Bakken, we've got natural gas in abundance. And we don't need to look at it as a problem. We need to look at it just like we looked at the sun and just like we looked at the wind, meaning it's there. It's there every day, whether we like it or not. So why don't we invest some money in securing it? We got a crazy guy trying to Bitcoin mine or whatever. We got another guy trying to turn it into natural gas. Mr. Joe Dancy, ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, energy expert and educator. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Here we go. Hamburger steaks, holiday ends. That's the kind of world that I live in. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, energy educator and energy expert. Why don't we invest some money in securing it? We got a crazy guy trying to Bitcoin mine or whatever. We got another guy trying to turn it into natural gas. We got another guy who's trying to uh, reverse it around and generate the well sites on site. You know, I mean, there's, there's 10, 15 different ways that we can name that these crazy scientists and these clever capitalists are trying to capitalize on this problem known as natural gas. So rather than calling it a problem, I think we got to start looking at the solutions. And that's why I guess I'm kind of calling these. Po- am, am I going to get into politics next? Because I don't like politics. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, good question. Good question. The, um, it is interesting. Actually, at the, um, the regulators meeting, we they did talk about um, companies, how much they've done to help uh, some of these some of these smaller communities out in the oil. For example, we had a representative from Watford City, North Dakota, and from Big Lake, Texas. They call it Big Lake, Texas, Jason. But I went through Big Lake about a year and a half ago to see the Big Lake, and there's no Big Lake. So it's kind of, it's kind of like what they call the big guy tiny? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looked like 
you know, it, it, actually, I it was pretty interesting to see. But it, uh, but they were talking in you know these small towns where you have the influx of. I mean, it's just as a from a governmental standpoint, it is very very difficult for the, the town people to, you know, for the schools, for the roads, for the water, for the <laughs> everything. It's, it creates you know a tremendous. And they said how much that the companies assisted in many cases but still it, it it's still you go out and you you know you want to get some workers to lay some concrete and you they're all in the oil field so you really you know you don't have the stores you don't have the you don't have the hotels that you really need and and the, to the extent the companies can help and they have helped um that's great but it's still it's still an issue but that's how oh, that's been going on for 100 years it's well, actually 200 years in the u.s you know, it's boom, gold rush, you know, and then it's the, the, you know, the blight. So uh, same thing with oil, same thing with silver. So anyway, and it's, farming. it's interesting. And farming. And I mean, farming. T- yeah, you know, exactly. it doesn't have to go too far back. Look at the wheat prices dropped in the 70s, and all of a sudden, you know, farmers are going yeah. bankrupt. And I can I, I imagine it probably happened somewhere, in, uh, you know, since then. That's just the big one I remember reading about and and, you know, I was a kid at that time, so I, you know, heard a lot about that, that, that period of time. And, you know, kids, kids forget, kids meaning people of all ages. You know, back in the 1980s, buying a house was at like 15%. It was, it was like buying a house on a credit card. People don't understand that. That, that. That's not that far away, that we were still trying to figure out how to make this credit and you know, debt and chemistry, that whole set work. And God, could you even imagine buying a house on a credit card today? Holy <laughs> smokes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, well, you know, yeah, it was 20, was 20% down too. I think I can't remember 10 or 20%. And, yeah. But, uh, but then again, yeah, you know, I mean, a hundred thousand house, a hundred thousand dollar house back then was probably 20,000 or five, you know, 10,000. So, I mean, the, yeah, the, the yeah. numbers have changed pretty significantly, but uh, okay. Well, uh, we should probably, Looking at the clock here, taking a look at at the time, and so the Permian. Was there anybody from Colorado or anybody that you spoke to that has anything to say about what's going on in Colorado? Of course, Colorado passed that new legislation uh, that makes it very difficult to drill within a certain amount of feet within a public structure or a structure. I call it the kind of the smoking ban um, template to where you use public safety, public health, and you do it within a certain amount of feet from a building. And then, then you've got your, you know, essentially it's, it's, a, it's a ban at the end of the day. It becomes a ban. And so uh, I can't remember the percentage amount, but a good, a good number of percentages, over 50% of the shale plays would have been impacted in Colorado with this new ban. I talked to Destiny McMillan. Uh, last week, she's a third-generation oil family, senior landman, and she said that she knows of three companies that have already left the state and moved to uh, uh, Oklahoma and right. Texas. And then she also mentioned, we talked about Wyoming, the federal judge uh, putting a ban or, oh, yeah. or saying no to some federal leases for the first time in the state's history, as far as I know. So does anybody talking about this Colorado in terms of, you know, like, are they worried? Are they not concerned? Nobody talking about it. Just uh, talk to me about what you're hearing from your industry folk. God, that's a great question. I didn't even, uh, it, it, uh, the Colorado regulators and the New Mexico regulators 
said, you know, there's sort of been a game change with the last election and the game change from being a little more, you know, pro industry or at least reasonable to, you know, your, your leave it in the ground, Bernie Sanders attitude. They didn't put it quite like that, but they just said, you know, to date though, I mean, the regulators sort of, the, as a regulator, you marched to the tune of either the governor or, or to the legislature. And they said, from a regulatory standpoint, there hasn't been a whole bunch of changes yet. But you know, going forward, because of the you know change in attitude towards the oil industry, attitude being either neutral or, or partly positive or at least reasonable, to one that's you know anti-oil, anti-hydrocarbons, anti-development. Um, they expect they expect um, to see changes going forward, and I think we've talked about this before too. When you when you start making things more expensive, when you put on more restrictions, that just makes everything less valuable. So your your oil production is less valuable, your leases are less valuable, your minerals are less valuable. There's less jobs, there's less tax revenue. Um, you do need you know regulation. You need, do need controls but you know when it goes to the point like you just mentioned and i can't remember exactly the numbers but you know when you're banning 65 percent of the wells because of setback requirements you know that's substantial and it'll have a substantial impact on the on the economy um and i you know in those states where the setback is is required and actually i was going to do some research that's my summer or fall research you know looking at the legal legal cases dealing with you know, how far can you go from a regulatory standpoint before you're taking someone's property and you have to compensate them. And, you know, Denton, Texas up here, That's interesting. Oh, three or four years ago, uh, three or four years ago, Denton actually had an ordinance that actually banned and it got passed by all the citizens to ban fracking. And that was real clear. They wanted to ban it completely without, you know, uh, and that would have been a pretty clear, you know, you're taking because the Barnett Shale's up there, and people mm-hmm. are getting—I mean, they're getting five thousand dollars an acre. I mean, you're essentially making their their minerals worthless. And um, as it turns out, the Texas legislature in Austin um, sort of fixed that by giving them the Railroad Commission jurisdiction. But in in Colorado and in New Mexico. Um, Mr. Joe Dancy, ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, energy expert and educator. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Give a picture to the waitress, eat a late breakfast, country style. Because that's my life, yeah, y'all, and I love it. That's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it. I see people all alone Picking their guitars, playing their songs I tell them, forget it Cause you can't fake it If you're gonna make it You gotta live it We get home from Nashville On a Monday night Record songs on Tuesday And on Wednesday we take out the wife But then on Thursday night It's back on the road I don't care if it's North Dakota or Southern Minnesota, just as long as I grow. Cause that's my life, yes, y'all, and I love it. 
Last my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it. And I see people all alone picking their guitars, playing their songs. And I tell them, forget it. Cause you can't fake it. If you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. Yeah, brother, you can't fake it. If you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, energy educator and energy expert. You know, that's substantial, and it'll have a substantial impact on the on the economy. Um, and I, you know, in those states where the setback is is required. And actually, I was going to do some research. That's my summer or fall research you know looking at the legal the legal cases dealing with you know, how far can you go from a regulatory standpoint before you're taking someone's property and you have to compensate them and you know denton texas up here that's interesting oh, three or four years ago uh, three or four years ago denton actually had an ordinance that actually banned and it got passed by all the citizens to ban fracking and that was real clear they wanted to ban it completely without you know, uh, and that would have been a pretty clear, you know, you're taking, because the Barnett Shale's up there, and people mm-hmm. are getting, I mean, they're getting $5,000 an acre, and you're essentially making their, their minerals worthless. And um, you, you, as it turns out, the Texas legislature in Austin um, sort of fixed that by giving them the Railroad Commission jurisdiction. But in, in Colorado and in New Mexico, um, with yeah, with their current trend, I mean, I, I'm sure there's going to be proposals out there that your question is, can they go that far, you know, without compensating? And and it's a tough call, but I and I need I've I've got I've pulled down about 20 cases and I got them sort of outlined. I just need to I need to put all of my thinking together because it's going to be a hot issue. And I you know I'd like no, to that's be a one great, of the experts. That's a great angle. That is an outstanding angle because it's almost like a reverse eminent domain. It's like you're, you know, instead of coming in to say we're going to do this for the betterment of society, you're reversing it and saying, you know, we're going to devalue your land for the for the for the worst mint of you. (laughs) So I always had a good friend of mine from Georgia. He always said the government's only the only thing the government has the real power to do is make you homeless. That's what he'd always say to me, and I'd laugh. And as I get older, I, I understand more what he's talking about there. I really, really do, and I just chuckle at that. You know, the other part, getting back to the natural gas, 
what you just mentioned is is a great part of the is another good argument for the natural gas subsidy because what a lot of people don't understand and oil companies are going to get mad at me for saying this but the lease owners the mineral owners as far as i know do not get paid on the the, the flared gas so not only do the do the um oil companies not get to capitalize on that resource but the mineral owners don't even get to capitalize on that wasted resource. Do you see what I mean? To where it, it was challenged in North Dakota. And I do believe that the oil companies, they, it was favored in their side that they did not have to pay the mineral owners because it didn't go to market or something like that. But it's, yep. it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just don't really want to talk about. But at the same time, I'm talking about it because if we did subsidize the natural gas world, now all of a sudden the mineral owners would get more money too. So the local businesses would get more. Do you see what I mean to where this is not a right. dumb idea? This is a really good idea. Right. Well, and, I, and actually the, um, yeah, the royally, and I, boy, it's been a while since I looked at the numbers here in Texas, but um, you know, some of these areas, if you, the mineral owners, I mean, they're not getting rich on this stuff, but they're getting, you know, between four thousand and maybe ten thousand uh, a year in royalties when they have a, a producing well, which is you know, pretty substantial. And then you get the bonuses too, and it's a uh, you know it has a huge it has a huge incremental wealth effect um, you know on the citizens on the state. You pay taxes on that stuff, um, and like you say, if you're flaring it and you're not using it, then you know you're you know nobody's getting value, but if somehow you can, we can figure out how to how to get the stuff uh, to market or utilized. Uh, at least we'll get some economic value. So, well, I'm just looking at like Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota. He always talks about his dream is to re you know repurpose that natural gas to grow blueberries, just right. like they do in Iceland and in the the Permian. The gentleman I've talked to down there, the several people I've talked to, they're talking about these neat neat. Um, Science projects they're doing they're doing to actually turn natural gas into ir irrigationable water, irrigable water to turn that desert into some farmland. I mean, right. that's the type of stuff that I believe the people of the United States would get behind over, you know, some big giant wind turbines or another right. another failed solar project. Once they re I think was it you and I talking about the McMansions or um these these um McMansions that went ahead and and put these solar panels on over the last three to four years as part of this big movement to try to get you know the the rich and the wealthy and the affluent to be the leaders in the solar movement. Well, they're finding out now that they lost money on that deal. I mean, they didn't even you know it's it's now just hubcaps on a car. It just looks good. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a statement, uh, a virtue statement or whatever they call it. It's, yeah, the numbers don't. Yeah, the payouts are, at least the numbers I've seen, the payouts are usually seven to ten years, um, which is which is pretty pretty bad because the average, uh, from what I've been told, at least in Oklahoma and Texas, your average house, if you throw a, suit, a few solar panels on there to make it a reasonable generation load, you're talking twenty five or 30000 Um and you could buy a heck of a lot of electricity for twenty five or thirty thousand. Well, you know, I think it's time. You know, it's time that these conversations start need need to be had, and it's the same conversations for the same amount of time. And like I said, if if the solar and wind talk, which honestly, the oil and gas industry has been behind the solar and wind talk. 
and they've been investing in solar and wind energy. And you know what? It hasn't gone well. It hasn't gone well. And, And there's enough evidence to say that to where maybe... We need to start taking a look at some other areas. And, and I do believe natural gas is at the top of the priority list, not because it's the most urgent. It's because it's the most abundant. It's the most realistic. And it's the most, um, what's the word? It's it's the most goal-oriented that we can accomplish. I Oh, man, we could, if, if we put in some new pipelines and, and invested in some new uh, technology and subsidize a few of these small companies, oh, it's no telling what we could do as a country. I mean, who knows? Some sort of new super plastic could come out of it. And guess what? All of a sudden now, composite decks are less than $1,000. All of a sudden now, the average house of 600 square feet can go to Menards, go to Lowe's, go to Home Depot, and pick up a to-do erector set deck that you can build on a weekend at your house for under $1,500 because we decided to invest in some natural gas company. That's, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about that can happen very easily. The same investments we put in towards the military, we should really consider putting in towards gas, oil and gas. Right. So I guess I am running for office somewhere because there's there's going to be a few oil companies out there saying, I kind of like this guy's mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you got to think outside the box every now and then. And sometimes you just got to kick that box around a little bit, too. So anyway, uh, let's wrap up here. Just kind of final thoughts. Just um, what you think coming from that conference and the colleagues you've been talking to, where you think the industry is heading? Well, actually, the um, I was a couple people talked to me earlier this week. Jason just done, uh, yeah, pricing going forward for the rest of the year, and it seems to be the consensus is with demand growing. Unless we have a huge knockdown trade war with China, that demand supply is going to see oil prices get a little more robust going into the fall. And that was energy educator and expert Joe Dancy. I'd like to thank Mr. Dancy for joining today's program. To listen to the entire interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, even the YouTubes. All of our social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Joe Dancy once again for joining the program. And you folks for tuning in and listening, whether you're on the radio. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. Or if you're checking us out online or maybe through one of our podcasts like iTunes, we appreciate you choosing us as your content. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to save your life and enjoy the spice. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. 
the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery.